It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome into yet another episode of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book. As you know, hardcover and paperback in there, Steve. Are we to 35 or 36? You know, you have a great voice. There's no doubt. I get, you are I, a pleasure to listen to. I get that a lot. 35 times. No, I, I once got an email unsolicited from the regional folks of Harley-Davidson, and they said that they were they wanted to consider me to be the voice for the Southeast region for their marketing stuff. Because as the guy described it, they wanted someone who sounded like they gargled with broken glass and scotch. <laughs> And I was like, is that supposed to be a compliment? Right. Like that? you gargle with broken glass, <laughs> gravelly scotch. And that's not, a, I mean, I could be polished if you'd prefer. No. Yeah. Welcome everyone. You know, and then you can do the minor league baseball, you know, outside, just a bit outside, two balls and no strikes at Thompson. Or you could be you. Just be you. You would be you. Learn to just be you. Is this 35 or 36? Thanks for showing up every time. Of the course. feedback continues to be awesome. That's what I'm here for, bro. You're awesome, man. It's just fun. It says 35 on the paper, but I feel like we did 35. Is this 35? This is 35. And then I know this week was 34, and we played with the Elijah on thing. Yeah, you're And right. I would have said Jabbar yeah. every time. Yeah, so. I would have too. I would have gone Kareem as well. Right. Uh, number 35. Can you believe we've come this far? Uh, the book, by the way, available at all fine retailers. You can get it online as well. And paperback is a big deal for travelers, etc. It makes it more convenient. 35, I imagine, uh, your producer of the podcast, the voice of the FAULs, a guy who does do that on the air where he goes, third and seven to go from the Owls, 27-yard line, two receivers, top of your screen. Ken Lavica, did you pick Frank Thomas? Of course, because he's the only 35 that matters. Oh, my God. And that's Ever. the end of the story. He he owns the board, and that's... Frank Thomas, Um, I had two nights with him last summer. McGregor, I'm not sure you want to talk about McGregor that. McGregor <laughs> Mayweather weekend. Not not a huge fan of mine on Friday night. Much bigger fan of mine on Saturday night. Wow. Friday night, he was losing his money in the high-limit room at the Cosmopolitan. And, and the and Big he, Herd has a lot of money. Big Herd has a lot. Nugenics, a lot of money from Nugenics. And he wanted my seat. I sit third base. I sit closest to the dealer. And so the people at the table were like, let him sit there. And I said, no, man. It's my seat. He said, come on, man. Move down. Let me let me sit there. And I said, no, brother. I, I'm, this is where I play. It's why I chose this seat, this table. Third base means you're closest to the dealer. It means you're either taking the card or not taking the card yep. before. You know, so I want to... Have a little bit of, you know, that's where I play. That's where I'm comfortable. And there was two other guys or three other guys at the table, and they were like, let him play. Because it was Frank Thomas. You know, I just wasn't giving in. He was mad. He was losing his money. But and it's Josh was, Cohen. Well, he didn't know it was Josh just, Cohen. It's just money. Right? But listen, like, you know, I want the cards I'm going to get sitting here. I like to play in that spot. But he was he was playing poorly. He was just, when people are losing, they're in terrible mode. And when they're winning, they're in a great mode. In life. Right, exactly. So I saw him the next night after McGregor Mayweather, and he said to me, hey, that fight was entertaining. It was it was He goes, admit, you were impressed by McGregor. I said, well, Mayweather carried him most of it, but yeah, it was entertaining. And he was, I said, I'm sorry about last night, man. I lost a lot of money, you know. So we drank for a little bit. But I told Ken, I texted Ken, I said, your hero is a D-bag. Because uh, Ken, <laughs> Ken's child a hero. And I'd only met It Frank. only took like less than a minute to get to the D-bag word. Yeah, yeah. And right, and you were so disappointed. And Eddie, you I, thought I was this disappointed. was a family show. You were disappointed. I was encouraged when you texted me back the next night yeah. that things were good, but then I got jealous. Yeah, because Ken, Ken's sister shares a birth with Frank Thomas. 
Oh, is that right? That's how he quits yeah, his life. May 27th. Yeah. But enough about Ken, his sister, and Frank Thomas. Your guest today, your guest today has been a friend of yours for over 20 years. So, you know, the best part about, must be for me, being patient, in sales, first of all, my friend, soul. Eddie Ariola, welcome to the program. Great Eddie to be here. Eddie Ariola, Thank you. chairman and CEO at Apollo Bank. So, you know, he, first of all, he's a wonderful entrepreneur, great friend, great, just everything about him. Patient I, I, soul. I, I just... I, <laughs> He's your friend for 20 years. But, but you know, we, we just he came up. He took the Bright Line today, which was kind of cool. Their offices are in downtown Miami. Go Bright Line. Or in, on Brickell. And he came up. We had lunch. And we're just, you know, talking, catching up. And we came to this realization that people, especially salespeople, just don't stay in touch. Mm. They make a sale or don't make a sale. And then they move on. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things is we I didn't even remember how we met but we met 20. I bet Eddie does. Eddie Ariola, I bet you remember how you remember, were little. Remember Welcome to the guy. show. Goes. Yeah. So what happened? He wanted your seat at the blackjack table, <laughs> and you said, beat it, find another spot to play? Exact same story. Exact same story. Uh-huh. Uh, so we met 20 years ago. He was working with a different client. We, we were both sort of uh, in biz dev role with a client called Accelerate. They're no mm-hmm. longer around, but a great group of guys. Biz dev meaning business development. Business development, okay. got it. And uh, we, we had mutual friends. I saw his work. I saw what he was doing. You know, even though we weren't working directly uh, together, I just liked what he was doing and what people said about him. And we just sort of stayed in touch See, off and on. You look significantly younger than Steve does. Time has been much kinder to you <laughs> he is. for some reason. So do you see this? I started young. young. I started young. <laughs> okay. When I started my business, at that time, I was in my you know early 20s and just trying to network and figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the important, I guess, lesson of this is, uh, not only networking, one letter away from not working, but the connections and relationships you have, they need to be continued to be fostered and developed and tended to. So here's like the, a garden. Here's where it gets so good. Garden so I was excited to see him. I'm waiting for him at the train station. He comes down the escalator and he's talking to this guy, mm-hmm. spends a few minutes closing that conversation, and he steps out and he goes, I just did a Noodleberg. And I go, what's that? He I goes, just, I met a stranger on the on the train, mm-hmm. started talking to him. They got to know each other, and it was a relevant conversation for nothing more than the value of the conversation, which is always great. There's no agenda every single time, and good things tend to happen. So, you know, I mean, it was kind of cool. That was your ride up. Yeah, so getting off Brightline, a guy. By the way, know, do you love the Brightline? It's amazing. It was uh, the highlight of my day. No offense, Steve. <laughs> if, if you use if you use the promo code ESPN, how many times have you, you actually save ten percent on all your trips? I will August. moving forward. Yeah, That's, uh, I'm going to write it every day now. Yeah, it's great. I but love uh, it. I noticed something about the Brightline. And, you know, I fly a lot. People on the on the planes aren't really talking. On the bright line, people are talking to each other. Yeah. There's a different, I don't know if it's because it's wider yeah. and there's a higher ceiling, but it fosters, it seems, uh, an area where strangers are commenting, connecting, networking, discussing. On a plane, I don't talk to anybody. On a train, I got stuck talking to everyone. Yeah. And it's, it's an incredible means of transportation. Beautiful, great bathrooms, great seats. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting. If you yeah. They it. actually wanted me to look at the bathroom when I got yeah. on the first time. Yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. see the bathroom. Right. Yeah. But, but finish your story about Please. who you so met. So I'm walking out. This guy, we're both sort of walking at the same, same speed. We're about to get on the escalator and he goes, well, you go first. You look like you're going to business. I go, yeah. Well, what are you up to? He goes, well, I was here on business last week and today I'm just taking the day off and, uh, enjoying Palm Beach. I go, oh, that sounds like such a great idea. Like, what are you doing? Now, let me take a giant step back. I'm not normally like Steve Noodleberg, and I don't engage with everybody, but Correct. I said, well, I'm about to see Noodleberg. Let me pull a Noodleberg. Let me engage this guy. And it wasn't about, what do you do? It's, so I said, well, what are you going to do today? How, how are you going to spend your day? And that sort of lit him up. He was like, well, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to have lunch. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about bringing my wife back here. And so it was about him and his day and what he was going to do, and that sort of – and then he gave me his card. It turns out 
his condo is right across the street from my office, and he texts me while while we were at lunch. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, just and you just never know. You never know where that leads to. But you made his day, brought him a smile, which it was always, a thirty second investment that had it gone wrong. Yeah, no big deal. That's pulling a noodleberg. Pulling a noodleberg. That's we've now created a verb, which is kind of cool. All right. Well, let's get at business today. Uh, we're discu- to discuss Eddie's why. What's Eddie's why? I'm not sure exactly what that means. Well, so I'll tell you why. So fill me in, please. So um, years and years of knowing each other, being friends, seeing each out socially at games and whatever, we had the opportunity to work together. And in working together, I like to know why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, what's the deal with the name Apollo? First of all, why young entrepreneur wants to build a bank in what seemed like a pretty competitive marketplace, so you can address that. Mm-hmm. And then when he hit me with the meaning of why the name Apollo, it was a game changer. I mean, it was it allowed me to work with his salespeople in a different way that, than I could have if I didn't know the why. So Yeah, so uh, started the, I started the process of, of starting a new bank in, in 2008, and if you dial back the time machine. That's an it was, interesting it was, time. It was, it was an interesting time, and uh, I don't even have a banking background, so I had been involved in a bunch of other entrepreneurial businesses, uh, printing business, technology, call center, a bunch of different things, uh, but it liked financial services and liked banking, and financial crisis was going on, mm-hmm. and I thought... Um, even, you know, the world's not going to come to an end, even though this is really bad, that there's an opportunity to provide great service and focus on entrepreneurs and uh, someone should start a bank. And, and I had been an investor and board member of another successful bank and they'd sold in 2007. So I had a very good experience and mm-hmm. said, you know, one day I want to come back and do this. And uh, but I thought it was going to be when I was in my 60s, not when I was in my 30s. And uh, I said, let me figure out how you start a bank. So I went around the country, talked to 40 different people that had started a bank and said, wow. here's what I'm thinking about doing. What are your thoughts? Who else should I talk to? How many of the 40 trying to talk you out of it? <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh, probably. 27? Uh, probably 39. Really? Uh, yeah. And they're like, you know, why are you doing Unreal. it? They go, but if you're going to move forward, this is how you go about doing it. Okay. And uh, I said, I'm going to stick with it. And one of the guys, so called a bunch of attorneys, I'm, you know, based in Miami, called a bunch of banking attorneys in Miami. None of them returned my phone call. Mm. I met one of the top banking attorneys in, in the country, this guy based out of Austin, Texas, named Chet Fenimore. I reached out to him via email, and he goes, well, if you're ever in Austin, you know, I'll buy you a drink, and we'll talk. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be in Austin next week. I wasn't really going right. to be in Austin next week. Going to make I, I that happen. Out. And uh, we met up after uh, a couple drinks and a couple hours. He said, uh, I think you're going to figure this out. And he goes, and if you ever, there's a lot of attorneys in the uh, state of Florida and Miami. If, there's, uh, if, you, if you ever want to work with me, give me a call. I'd love to work with you. So I stuck with him, went through a process, figured it out, and decided, you know what? I think I could do this. And I called him up. After several months of going back and forth with them, and I go, uh, Chet, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dedicate myself full time. I'm going to make this investment. I'm going to start a bank, even though everyone's telling me not to. <laughs> and he goes, That's great. What are you going to call the bank? I go, Man, I don't even have a team yet. I haven't even figured this out. And he goes, Well, starting Monday, I'm not working for free. So just let me know the name of the, of the entity that's going to pay my legal bill. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I went home, thought about it, and I've always been motivated by the Apollo mission of the moon. I was just going to say yeah. space pro. My guess was going to be beyond Greek god space program. Yeah, and 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 I, you know, you, you know the mythology around Apollo eleven. Yeah, it, it, well, and even just the whole you know creation of the space program. It's you get a bunch of really smart people in a room. Uh, focused on a common goal, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And oh. at that time, it wasn't about you know it wasn't about money and, and people making uh, you know vast fortunes in the space program. It was all about mission. And I said, if you can really have a great mission, uh, you can motivate people and you can do great things. So Monday came, I called Chet back and said, I don't know what we're going to name the bank, but uh, the name of the entity that's going to pay your legal bill is Apollo Organizers Inc. 
our, our objective is to organize this thing and make it happen. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So as I went around and people saw sort of, you know, I had a, a little business card that said Apollo organizers. People said, well, why did it say Apollo organizers? And I said, well, and I tell them that story and they go, I love that story. This mm-hmm. is your Apollo mission. You should call it Apollo. This is Apollo. your Apollo mission. And I'm glad that you skipped Gemini and Mercury <laughs> <laughs> and, and went right to the glory days of, of touching down mm-hmm. on the surface I of the moon. I told you he doesn't hold anything. Yeah. July 20th, 1969. <laughs> yeah. Well, you skipped Gemini, Mercury, right to Apollo. Uh, Ken knows because he gets quizzed all the time, the producer of your podcast, Steve, because I always say, and the eighth time he finally got it right on the air, it's not what people do, it's why they do it. The why why we ask the question is why we ask the question in the why. So the naming of the bank came from this being your mission. Exactly. You've always been an entrepreneur. Always. All right. But at some point, at the worst time possible, you said, hey, I know what I'll do. What everyone says I shouldn't. Right. Because you were betting on yourself or you just had a gut feeling that this was what you were supposed to do next or both. <laughs> yeah, it was. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to, I wanted to see how far I could push myself, learn a different sector. So besides, I saw that there was an opportunity uh, financially. I thought it was a good time and, and it was a good financial opportunity. That's how I was able to get other people involved, whether mm-hmm. it be investors and, and other bankers and put together a team. But I just wanted to sort of, you know, how far can I, how can, can I learn a new industry can I get people that don't know me and know me for a specific skill set? Can I get them to rally around me and believe in me? And- you were really challenging yourself. Yeah. Where most people avoid that. You were saying, okay, uh, let's do something that we've never attempted before. Much like that mission, 11, that actually. And sometimes what happens is people bring bad habits to what they do. You took the right habits from another vertical and said, I'll do it in banking. And knowing his business, knowing what he's done today which obviously hindsight is easy but knowing the people that are rallied around him mm-hmm. it is different there's a great culture there the people are all very family oriented um they uh, why don't you tell them about your office the the building that is uh yeah so we have a great so you know as i'd meet with people and say well what do you know about banking i go i know enough about banking and i'll figure it out mm-hmm. uh, but what i'm really good at is you know corporate culture and sales and business development and managing and coaching and so one of the things that we try to do from the beginning is, is we're going to win on culture and if you guys know you guys have all experienced banks. You walk into a bank, or you know someone's banking. Is generally speaking, they're uh, they're 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 boring and pulled back, and they generally speaking don't have a lot of the great things to say about uh, the bank that they work for. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we set out to win by culture. So one of the you know as evidenced by you know this is the third year in a row we've been named one of the top banks, uh, one of the top companies to work for by Florida Trend Magazine. Really, and and in the entire country, there's like five thousand banks in the country. Uh, we're uh, one of the top banks to work for uh, by American Banker, uh, one of the top banks to work for in the entire country, top 20. So wow. uh, in a very short period of time, we've been able to do that. And we're so we're in the Brickell area, which is like the heart of Miami right mm-hmm. now. And we have this amazing building that has like this giant courtyard in the building. And so mm-hmm. what we've done and, and it's, well, it's it was a historical. Yeah, well, it was no, no, definitely not historical designation. Okay. <laughs> but I, want, I want to stress that in case you want to make changes. No, no Whoops. But it is gorgeous. <laughs> right. And it's right in the middle of a great area, and it's an ill use of space. And it's so people want to be there anyway. They just want to be there. And so what we do is we open it up to friends and clients and and family. I've used it more a bunch of times for meetings and you know having events and stuff. And we try to make it as uh, a a center for people to come and meet and network. And so there's never a hard pitch from from you know from the bank. And we say uh, you know we'll pay for for the food, for the coffee, the water. We'll treat your guests uh, great. No hard pitch, but they come in that such a great feeling, and it's Mm -hmm. just. Uh, incredible workspace and I'm, I'm a longtime member of ypo and so we started to set it up uh our rooms like a as like a forum where it's more of like a, a family room and a place where you'd want to hang out with your friends as opposed to a cold office so it's an amazing spot beautiful really spectacular being in a space where people want to be 
uh, kind of dictates the culture of community and good vibes and good feelings means happy employees that want to do better, not just for the sake of their own mastery or for the incentivization of bonuses, but just because they want to give back to the company and the culture that is, right? You know, it's interesting because great leaders always have vision and a mission. Part of that is communicating it down to the people that you work with. And part of the work we were able to do together was to really socialize that all the way down. It was so much fun to be part of Mm -hmm. because when I heard that, like, we're really on a mission. When you work for somebody or work for an organization, when you can leave the building and go, I'm on a mission to do this, Mm -hmm. I would challenge most organizations, they don't have that. Good Karma Brands does. One of the reasons why I like being part of this organization, they have great culture, Mm -hmm. family values. First and foremost. But they also have very critical um, pillars of strength that are their mission. This is what our mission is. Our mission is not to bang you on the head and sell you you know, advertising. So it's, it's always very different. Right. And when you run into it in different verticals and see great leaders, that's why I'm well, thrilled that he could be here. Today. 24 hours in a day, as I always say. Uh, most folks try to sleep about eight hours if possible. So that means you've got 16 left. You, you work eight hours a day. If you're not liking where you're working Ooh. and whom you're working with, you're wasting half of your entire waking life. You're wasting half of your life doing such. So those things make a difference, Eddie, and you guys figured that out early. You got it. You got it. Be in a place where people want to be amongst one another, and there you have it. Now, entrepreneurship has certainly been the theme always, um, not just of the book, but of this podcast through now a 35th episode. Uh, Along the way, you've learned quite a bit about being an entrepreneur, the do's, the don'ts, the nevers, the always, in those gray areas. And I bet those change as time and technology does as well. Uh, The single greatest lesson that you would present to listening right now uh, want to be entrepreneurs or those that are just getting started that say, I, I have ideas and I have work ethic, but I need a little bit more. You would tell those folks what? So the short answer, if someone's going to start a business, uh, the, the short answer that I, I would sort of leave them with is, um, you know, it's, it's, always, it's going to be harder than you think. It's going to take longer always. than you think, and it's going to cost you more money than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're really committed to it, it's going to be well worth it. And and, and there's folks that just say, well, I just want to make a certain amount of money or, I, or I'm just not having my current situation. I want to do something else. It, it's, you've got to really think about building for the long haul. And you hear about all these sort of get-rich-quick story, get stories or people that have instant success. For the most part, that's not the way it works. And like in here, and I, you know, Steve and I were talking about uh, we've known each other and, and we've, we've both been involved in a variety of different businesses over the course of 20 years. And we're still talking about all the fun, exciting things we have going forward. You, you have to really take a, a long view and be committed to the mission. So we live in an instant gratification society, right? It isn't, this is an instant gratification nation. You get what you want, when you want, how you want, where you want. Uh, you can do on that Brightline train with your Wi-Fi, <laughs> you can order uh, anything that you want to shop to be delivered to your home. By the time you get there. By the time you get there. So, And I was having this conversation on Sunday with a young lady at dinner. I said, you know, talking about the, how Las Vegas is a, really a monument that is to the world kind of what America is. And that is all a facade. Something that really isn't truly what it is. The American dream used to be, uh, I want to work a little harder so I can do a little better than my parents did so my right. kids will have it a little better off. Right. But now the American dream is let's get rich quick. How can I get on a reality show? How can I get verified right. in social media and get paid as a pretty girl to hold up a bottle of uh, diet tea? Uh, so for entrepreneurs, particularly of this new generation, Millennials Plus, um, they're in a spot where they they can create a brand at the right. age of 12 or 14 right. or 16. But right. up against it is the now easier. The easier way in life is really the best way. I've come to learn <laughs> that. 
Uh, yeah. I've come to learn that. If you could be Kylie Jenner and be part of a, an entertainment family and put on some cosmetics and create a billion-dollar brand overnight, I, I'd recommend you follow that route. Please do, that. do right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sign right here. But if you're not a Jenner or yeah. a Kardashian, then what? The hard work is the part that, that, that we should have the ability to work harder because you have on you more technology than they took on July 20th to the service of the moon in Apollo 11. In your back pocket is a piece of uh, electronics that is more power than what they brought to the moon for the Apollo 11 landing. And yet people, uh, you say, you know, they, they don't want to do the work. You know, it's interesting. I saw a quote from Jim Carrey, the comedian and movie it's star. Great. And the quote was, he said, I wish everybody could have the opportunity to be rich because they would then see it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's so much more to life than just the money, the passion, the doing, the be- belonging. And, and, you know, so I think people have to find out the hard way that there is more to it. And, you know, social media is probably the biggest fake out of all because nobody, nobody's putting their shit out there. Right. <laughs> nobody's saying, look how bad my life is. So right. Everybody's trying, you know, and so you have to defend that. But when you talk to entrepreneurs who said, regardless of what the risk is, regardless of what the downside is, I'm still going to jump and, and do this, which is what you did. The odds were completely against you. Yeah. And you know how, Steve, you know so many guys that uh, build a business and they sell it, and a few months later they're miserable. Right. And it's all about. You just said your dad. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the challenge. Yeah. My dad sold his business at age 53, and right. nine months later he's like, I need to do something else. And, uh, and, and, and has left a legacy in the work that he's done. I'm, you know, you should be obviously really no, proud because no. the family name, that's a guy who has really done some great stuff. But. You know, it, 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 it does speak to belonging to something and attaching to your passion and the actual doing is so much more valuable than the money you take away. That's right. The money comes right. Well, goes. I guess Gladwell wrote about it, right? Where, you know, we all thought the, the, the motivating factor for most folk in their success was incentivization, but it turns out it's actually mastery. People just want to be really, really good at something and they want to continue to try and be better at it. And that's what separates, I guess, those outliers. In the grand scheme of things. That's really cool. I guess. Uh, from the book itself, uh, I'm to ask you of your favorite lessons. Not Malcolm Gladwell's book. Not Malcolm's. Mr. Noodleberg. But if actually have Noodleberg's book, right? The Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Of those 27 Pick rules. Pick a rule, any rule. Those 27 rules, which one stood out to you that resonated with you, spoke to you? So, and, you know, Steve and I have talked about it. So, uh, and it's certainly like number six, being you know, gratitude. Gratitude. And, and so, so every morning I wake up and I have a, a gratitude journal and I write down three things that that I'm grateful for, and and, uh, and 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 I try to make them as specific and small as possible. And 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 I write it down. And no one else sees it. And if you burn my gratitude book, that's fine. And why specific and small to you? Because then you're not being lazy. Because then you're forced it, to focus on. Yeah. And and every day I can wake up and say, you know, I'm grateful for for my two wonderful kids. And and I am every you know grateful for them if they're listening to this. I'm grateful every day that I got you guys and same as my wife and all sorts. But it, it, it forced you to think about all the other little things. It's, and it, maybe tomorrow morning I wake up, I'm, I'm grateful for Brightline. It connects me to friends that, you know, cause maybe I wouldn't have seen Steve today. Maybe I wouldn't have made this podcast today. Uh, you know, it, you, you try to identify all those little things and not be lazy. Um, uh, but just in, you know, what I love about, you know, all the, the rules is that there's 27 of them. And, and I know our team is, uh, we bought the books. We've been through training and that sort of thing. And I'll ask my guys, you know, which is the one that you like? And I'm like, well, I, I, I'm drinking something green every day. I'm like, that's great. But there's like 26 other things that like really affect me and my business. I hope you're doing a bunch of those things. And that's the thing. You've got to have a balance, right? So you've got to, you've got to work hard, but you also got to take care of yourself. You, you've, uh, you know, you've got to have, you know, a, 
family and friends and those sorts of things, but you also got to you know lock down and, and spend some time on your own and, and work and make yourself better. So, but the gratitude jumps out to you, or as I refer to it, the attitude of gratitude to maintain one. Like when I yell at people, and you know this because we've talked about it five times, seven times out of 35, someone goes, oh, I got to work. I can't go to the concert. And I said, no, no, you get to work. <laughs> Change that privilege. E to an I because, you know, it's, it's what you wanted to do. So pronounce it, I get to work. There was a time you were, you wanted that job. You, you were at calling and can somebody can, and, and you went to the interview and you were, got on Facebook and said, prayer warriors, get with me. I really want this job. Uh, work is a blessing. It's an opportunity. You get to do it, not have to do it. Obligations are different. Well Paying said. taxes is something you got to do. Got to do that. Going to work is something that you get to do if you're lucky enough. Indeed, right? Attitude of gratitude. You know, the, and the takeaway from all of this stuff, which, which for me was, a, you know, I'm always looking for daily aha moments and reminders, is that just staying in touch with good people is part of living your life. That's I mean, right. You know, we're we're friends. We live far away when mm-hmm. you know by traffic and stuff like that, but. You know, we've always stayed in touch. Hey, what's happening in your life? What's happening with your kids? First thing he asked was, how's my boys? I asked how, you know, his son's going to college now. You know, so that's on a genuine level. That's not, hey, um, have something new to sell you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what I want, you know, people who are listening to this is it's not about the sale. It never is. It's always about the relationship and certainly 20 plus years to prove it. Authenticity of that, as we often speak. Yeah. Authenticity is everything. I mean, we knew each other many, many years before we ever that's had right. any business opportunity. That's right. Uh, that's why we're, our thoughts are with Eddie, that he's hung in all these years, <laughs> <laughs> two decades plus. So as an entrepreneur, someone who wants something new, you stayed in banking. So like you said, it's been two decades, I guess, now, right? Well, no, it's, it's been uh, since... Uh, oh, 2008. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You've known each yeah, other. And, and we opened the bank in, okay. in, uh, in 2010. Do you look around every day and think, hmm, I have another idea? I, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I really just focus on this business. You know, so I, I try not to go off on tangents and I love doing what I'm, what I'm doing. And I feel committed to our team and it's my obligation. And Steve and I were, you know, we're talking about that. You know, I, I don't think it's good to have a CEO that's focused on creating a bunch of other businesses. So mm-hmm. it, I focus on this, I focus on my family and I focus on a couple of the you know, personal things, but, uh, but in terms of business, I love doing what I'm doing and there's not enough hours for, for me to I mean, do when all you think about it. If somebody was driving the train and was distracted with something else, you know, right. focus is a really important thing, especially with the guy. And I think that's an important head, lesson you know? because a lot of the people that listen to the podcast that are in sales or that are trainers, teachers, or that are serial entrepreneurs are always thinking of other new next what, and there has to be a focus where you compartmentalize this project to its completion and then we can look onto something else right that's right it's important to budget you your talk your, about a cluttered world i mean we live yeah. with lots of messages and stuff like that it's very difficult how to focus. often i'm in the middle of a tweet in the middle of an email in the middle of a text and none of the three get completed because i'm switching back and forth from one to the other well, one of the best things about brightline for me is it actually gives me a chance to focus because if i was driving yes. down there i am trying to multitask and the stress level of doing that is not worth what you know the train is, you know, or any of that stuff. GoBrightline.com got a big. Uh, pr- this was like a, a podcast on their behalf. I'm going to have that <laughs> on as well, especially if you use the uh, promo code. I'm going to have that, and the promo code is uh, what? Uh, it's just ESPN. <laughs> is all that is. Eddie Ariola, Chairman, CEO at Apollo Bank. Thank you for the time today. Congratulations on all you your success. Much. And next time I head down that way, I want to feel the vibe. Of this building, of the you don't call it an office though, right? Is it? A, we call it. Do office. you stay at the SLS yeah. on the beach or in on Brickell? Where did you stay? Uh, on the on the beach. On oh, okay. Beach.
Yeah. There is an SLS. Yeah, right. We're three blocks uh, right. away from there. I did a charity event at that beautiful property in December. During it's a beauty. Basel. It is a beauty. Yeah. Well, my boy Adrian Grenier from uh, Entourage. Nice. Yeah, we're, we're trying to save the oceans. As you should. I'm trying. Somebody's got to. As you should. Well, I'm going to come through and see this office if you don't mind. That'd be great. You're see the building welcome. and feel the vibe. Congratulations on all I'll have you MC an event down there. How's uh, that? Fantastic. Yeah. Good We've cost. been talking about doing something for ESPN. We'd love to. We'd, we'd be happy that to. That would be awesome to be in your building. That'd be ESPN. fantastic. Good space to do it. The Apollo Bank there. Uh, Steve, we don't ask people, uh, what's up? How you doing? Instead, you demand they tell you something good because that brings good vibes, like the culture at Apollo Bank and such. Uh, tell us something good. As we put a bow on episode 35, my friend. I am grateful for my friend Eddie. Today was really fun, really great to catch up. And, uh, you know, I'm a blessed guy. So uh, that's my something good for the day. Attitude of gratitude. Uh, number one on that list, when you wake up to jot it down, you can say, I woke up today. Because every day above ground alternative. <laughs> is a good day. That's right. People say, oh, you're getting old. I say, beats the alternative. <laughs> that's exactly. Every day on this side of the dirt. All right, fantastic. Our thanks again to Eddie Ariola, chairman and CEO at Apollo Bank. Uh, get the book. Uh, get the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers. And, and wait a minute, the audio book. And the audio book. And the, and the audio book is done? Yeah, we will have it ready, packaged shortly, but it is in the tank. Congratulations. Or in the can. It's on the way. In the can. In the can. Yeah. It's on <laughs> the way. For Steve Newberg, Josh Cohen saying thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for episode 36 on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. 